So country music was not a thing for you at all growing up? Zero at all. People didn't really – and it's funny because I lived up in northern Maine where a lot of people listen to country music. But it was yeah. just – you know, you grew up, you listen to what your parents listen to. And then you develop your own style. And what ended up happening is seventh grade or so, we had the show at school called Putting on the Hits which was the kids in class would dress up like the performers and they would lip sync to the songs on stage. And the closing song that year was friends in low places. I still remember that Pat Michaud dress up. He had the Madonna microphone that wrapped around and did look like Garth Brooks. He had a Garth Brooks shirt on and he sang the song. And I just remember, I don't know how soon into the song, but I just remember instantly falling in love it was like love at first sight with a woman. It was just, I couldn't believe how much I loved this music and I loved this song. And so I told my mom, I said, Hey, listen, Easter's coming up. I'd really love Garth Brooks album, which was a tape cassette back in those days. Sure. I said, love a tape cassette of Garth Brooks. So I fell in love with the song and she said, Oh my God, country music. Really? And welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. We are getting off the Bruce train, though we may be on an 18-wheeler driving from Baton Rouge, and we may do Thunder Rolls instead of Thunder Road. That's right. We are talking Garth Brooks tonight. My guest, Wayne, said, he reached out and said, hey, do you talk to people, fans of other musicians? And I said, "I gosh darn do. Wayne, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm excited to be on here and being able to talk music and talk Garth especially. I'm very excited. Yeah, tell us a little about yourself. Grew up up in Maine, northern Maine, and live in New Hampshire now. And just a huge fan of music in general. I grew up in a house that was all 80s music. So there was country was forbidden. That's the funny thing. Country was forbidden in the house. It was, uh, we grew up on U2, REO Speedwagon, Journey, some of the harder stuff, Twisted Sister, ACDC, Guns N' Roses. And we had some Bruce in the house. My family had the Bruce Springsteen greatest hit CD. It was like four CDs in a box, a yeah. big square box. So I listened to that. Even some 70s stuff. My grandmother was into 50s and 60s stuff. She was actually a performer on stage. So she was in Damn Yankees, and she was a very good singer as well. And nice. And then I got introduced to Garth Brooks when I was in 7th or 8th grade and haven't looked back. So I want to go back to um, I grew up in a household that listened to both kinds of music, country and western. I've told the story multiple times when I was eight or nine, which was in about 68, 69. My cousins who lived in Ohio could not believe I could not name all four Beatles because that's not what we listened to the house. So country music was not a thing for you at all growing up. Zero at all. People didn't really. And it's funny because I lived up in northern Maine where a lot of people listen to country music, but it was just, yeah. you know, you grow up, you listen to what your parents listen to and then you develop your own 
style. And what ended up happening is seventh grade or so, we had this show at school called Putting on the Hits, which was the kids in class would dress up like the performers and they would lip sync to the songs on stage. And the closing song that year was Friends in Low Places. I still remember that Pat Michaud dressed up. He had the Madonna microphone that wrapped around and did look like Garth Brooks. He had a Garth Brooks shirt on and he sang the song. And I just remember, I don't know how soon into the song, but I just remember instantly falling in love. It was like love at first sight with a woman. It was just, I couldn't believe how much I loved this music and I loved this song. And so I told my mom, I said, Hey, listen, Easter's coming up. I really love Garth Brooks album which was a tape cassette back in those days sure. i love a tape cassette of garth brooks so i fell in love with the song and she said oh my god country music really and i said yeah just just one song i just like that one song i don't like everything else mm-hmm. and she said okay fine so easter rolls around and she got me the album roping in the wind which garth brooks fans will know friends in low places is not on that album <laughs> it is oh, no it is it was his newest album so she probably walked into the store just said hey give me garth brooks's newest thing sure and so I gave her that and it's still, I think, his number one selling album of all time. But Friends in Old Places was on No Fences. However, you know, I'm one of those people who's, thank you, Mom. You went out. You got me a present. You didn't have to do that. Yes. And it's, I'll listen to it. And song number two was a song called Burning Bridges. And loved it. Fell in love with that song. Another song on there was called Cold Shoulder, which I loved. And then the final track is Lonesome Dove. I think, And that was an amazing song. And I started to say, okay. I don't like country music. I just like Garth Brooks. <laughs> and and then it just started, if you like Garth Brooks, you can branch out a little bit into some of the other guys in the 90s. And I just started liking all country, but Garth is still king for me. So I always, I ask this when I'm having a Springsteen fan on and you've answered the first half of the question. I always ask, when did you first become aware of Bruce and what about him spoke to you? So you've explained how you found him. But you haven't quite said, what about Garth's music spoke to you? Why did this, all of a sudden, this guy from Oklahoma just listen, reach your soul? I don't really know what it is. It's just, you know, we meet people in life, in real life. We meet people and you know how you just instantly connect with somebody. There are people who may want to be your friends, but you're never going to be friends with they want. And then there's going to be people that you meet that the second you meet them, you're like, you're my new best friend. <laughs> you know, just, you just, you're attracted to them. And there was something about his music that, again, when you're listening to Journey and you're listening to Ario Speedwagon and so on, I've always been a lyrics guy. So it's not just the music, it's the lyrics. And I feel like what genre really has better lyrics than country music? They're storytellers. That's really what they do. Yeah. And so, Listening to his songs, every song, Burning Bridges, like I said, the first song that wasn't Friends in Low Places that I fell in love with is about a guy who is struggling with commitment. And it's such a, just a, an amazing song and the lyrics are fantastic and everything was put together well. And it didn't sound like the country music my parents were telling me about because they grew up in the seventies, eighties. And so when they think of country music, they think of Willie Nelson and Hank, Hank Williams and Myrtle Haggard. And Garth Brooks didn't sound like those guys. He had electric guitar solos in the songs. He had drum solos. And it was like, we, it wasn't quite rock, but it was close. And so it was something I'd never heard before. And maybe that's what it was. It was that attraction to like, what is this thing I've never heard before in my life? And that was the initial thing that spoke to me. So I remember 
when the 80s and Garth is becoming, I guess, early 90s, becoming huge, right? 89 was when my son was born. I remember working at a company, and I remember reading a newspaper article here in Dallas that Garth Brooks had his degree in marketing, and he had been on the morning Dallas country music drive time, which I can't, I can't remember which one it was, but so much that he was almost the third disc jockey because he knew capturing Dallas was a good part of picking that. Um, I love the fact that he is a great entertainer. He is a very good song stylist and and he's fun. That is a regret. I've never seen him live. It is on my bucket list. I always preface this. The amount of times you've seen an artist perform live is not a fair barometer of how big you fan you are. There are people who have never seen their favorite artist because of situ, because of where they live or because of financial situations. But how many times have you seen Garth perform live and do you count? Yeah. I've seen him five times, and I remember each one, each concert was unique. The first time I ever saw him was in the Worcester Centrum in Massachusetts. I was a junior in high school, and just coming away completely blown away. Like we said, we talk about great entertainer. I think country music, he's entertainer of the year so many times that actually when he got nominated this past year, he actually asked to be removed from the category because he said it's not fair for other people to not win it, and he would just win it every year. And I've seen him in concert. You, when you see him, you understand why he's electric on the stage. And I say he's the Freddie Mercury of country music, like just total presence. You're captivated. He, one of the things that he'd always said was that I want to make the person in the very back feel like they're sitting in the front. I want everybody here to feel like they're part of the show. And there's a, I watched his special called The Road I'm On. And he, it, his brother, I think said it with his first, big performance was at the fairgrounds and there was like 2,500 people there. Yeah. And he said he performed and the brother comes home like a ghost and his parents are like, what's going on? He goes, you know how Garth can sit here in the living room and play a song for us. And we're all just completely mesmerized. And like, yeah, he goes, I just watched him do that with 2,500 people, you know? And it was like, it's something he's always had that ability and so I've seen him. I actually flew to Cleveland to see him play at the Cleveland Centrum. This is when he first came back out of retirement and started touring again. I took my sister as a birthday present to her because she had never seen him. And now she's seen Billy Joel, Madonna, Lady Gaga. She said the Garth Brooks concert's the best concert she's ever seen. It was just total, like I said, unbelievable. And most recently I saw him at the Gillette Stadium here in Massachusetts. Um, I don't know how many people there, 70,000 people or something like that. It was crazy. He played late into the night because he's always said, I will play as long as people want me to play. Yeah. And he probably played, I think, for three and a half, four hours, which if you're a Bruce fan, that's not unusual for Bruce. He plays four hours all the time. Yeah. But for most artists, they play, what, an hour and a half? Yeah, maybe 90 even. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I always, I say that with a tongue in cheek, right? Where the artist, oh, I'm going to, we're going to play them all tonight. We're going to make it. It's, no, you're not. You've got your set set list, and it's ninety minutes, maybe a hundred minutes, and uh, and it's good. 
have you seen Bruce perform live? I haven't seen him like other than YouTube clips. I haven't seen him live, but I know there's, he has a diehard following. I know. And one of the sports guys around here in Massachusetts, his name's Kirk Minahan. He's a huge Bruce fan. And he talks about going to, he's been like 38, 40 shows, something like that. And I've heard he plays for a really long time and that his set list is not the same every show. Like you, you go to three straight concerts, get three completely different shows. Is Garth that same way? I think he sticks a lot to the hits, which I like. I don't want to go and hear a bunch of new stuff. Mix it in, but obviously I'm going to hear friends in little places, the thunder rolls. Yeah. And, and he knows that. And so he plays a lot of that stuff and he might mix in two to three new songs, but he plays most of it. The thing where he differs from show to show is the covers. So when he comes out for the encore, he does mostly nothing but covers, which I love. It's my favorite part of the show. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stephanie Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And so I saw him in Portland, Maine. He covered Don McLean Vincent. And it was just unbelievable. And then I've seen him those other four times, hoping he would do it again, and he hasn't done it since. I love that song. I Have you watched the Don McLean documentary about American Pie? I haven't, no. Okay. Add that to it. Garth is a huge part of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so first off, American Pie is a great song, and Don McLean, it's 
talks about his career and he talks about recording it. But Garth Brooks talks about how important that song is to him. Yep. And then you know, him doing it in New York, uh, in Central Park, he tells that story. So you will, it's a good documentary period, but if you're a Garth fan, you will especially go, Oh man, that was great. Bruce currently is two hours and 45 minutes is this latest tour. He is 73 and the set list has been pretty static. He's doing about 26 songs, maybe 28 and all but two of them are the same every night in the same order. And he's getting a little bit of crap from some old time fans. But I think specifically he's telling, he is telling a story. Like when he was, I don't know if you've ever seen Springsteen on Broadway on Netflix with that one man show. He did the same show every night. Because he was telling a story. So Bruce is telling that story now. And we do think when he gets in Europe, he may break it up a little bit for that very reason. I'm going to shake things up. Um, what, obviously, you're talking about the hits, but what are some of Garth's favorite songs? And talk about why they mean something to you. That's a great question. I was actually going to ask you a similar question and we can come back around Please, to it. Right? Absolutely. Because I do feel as a fan of any particular artist, right? Yeah. We truly appreciate the album cuts, the ones that weren't released. Right. And those are all my favorite Garth Brooks songs. And it's funny because in the same way I talked to a friend who's a Billy Joel fan and he said, if somebody comes up to him and says they're a Billy Joel fan, because when I ask them what their favorite song is, and they say Piano Man, I tell them to get out of my face. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm the same way. Somebody says, hey, I'm a Garth Brooks fan, too. I say, really, what's your favorite song? And if they say The Thunder Rolls or Friends in Low Places, I'm like, get out of here. And I'm sure you're the same way with Glory Days or Born in the USA. right? Because we know that the best stuff is like the stuff that not everyone gets to hear on the radio. Right. And But I think that's – I love the fact that you embrace that he's playing these – the quote unquote hits live because I think sometimes long-term fans forget that every show is someone's first show. And if, as I talked to someone once, I said, she said, I've heard born to run so many times. If I never hear it live, I'm okay. And I go, okay, I want you to pretend to be a 21 year old who's never seen Bruce live before, how disappointed are you if you go to a Springsteen show and don't get Born to Run? And she said, I will never complain about Born to Run again. And one of my, one of my friends said, he said, when I'm at a show, I stare at Bruce. I stare at Niels. I stare at little Steven. I stare at the stage till Born to Run comes on. And then I turn my back to the stage and I just watched the audience going crazy. So I, the same thing, right? I go to Garth Brooks and I don't hear friends in low paces. I'm like what? What? I saw Jackson Brown this last year and I, he didn't do stay because he was opening for James Taylor. And so he, he did an encore, but he didn't do stay and the loadout. 
And I was a little disappointed. It was a great show, but I, I wanted to hear that song from Jackson Brown. Yeah, I think I had a guy on the show who's a big Bee Gees fan. And he said, he and I had a similar conversation. When someone says, I'm not a Bee Gees fan, he says, have you listened to anything besides Saturday Night Fever? <laughs> and when people say, I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan, have you listened to anything besides Born in the USA? Right. C So anyway, let's talk about some of those track songs that, and have you, I want to hear what they are. And then have you got any of them live? That's a good question. I don't think I've gotten any of them live. I think that he doesn't like I said, perform a lot of the album cuts yeah. live. It's six of the hits unless it's a new album. But even then he's doing like his singles off the new album he's mixing right. in. And so for me, like I said, the first song I ever fell in love with outside of friends in low places was burning bridges, which is an album cut. So you have to get the album to hear it. Most people aren't going to hear it on the radio unless they listen to the Garth channel on Sirius or whatever. Really great song. My favorite song of all time by him is from the Fresh Horses album. It's track number four. Again, it's an album cut. It's called That Old Wind. And it's just a beautiful song. It starts off with piano, and it's just a beautiful ballad about a guy who's a country singer or singer. They don't say country singer. A singer who hooks up with a girl at some concert and then years later, she wants to go see him again and talk to him. And it's this love story. And it's just a really beautiful song. Where in, cause she asked him to stay when she sleeps with him the first time. She's like, Hey, can you stay with me? They hit it off right away. Like, love at first sight. And he says, No, I've got this life to live. I'm going out on the road. Can't do it. So he drives off. His bus leaves. She cries. Right. And then the last line before the kind of epilogue line, they say, and as his bus left out, she cried with him standing by her side. That old wind had once again found its way home. So he's now staying with her. And it's just a really great song. And I love it. And I hear songs like on the No Fences album, which has the Thunder Rolls and Friends in Little Places, the two big hits off of that. But there's a song on there called New Way to Fly. And then there's another song on there called, actually, the one I'm thinking of, Which One of Them? Which One of Them Will Be You Tonight? It's a guy, he's out going to pick up a girl, but he's still thinking of the previous girl, and this new one's just going to be her in his mind. And it gets sad, but a very pretty song. And I listen to that song, I think, man, if that song came out today, with, I'm sorry for anyone who loves country music today, but the crap that country music is putting out today with all the bro country and whatnot, if which one of them came out today, it's a number one hit. It's unbelievable. And like I said, he's probably got 20 songs that the casual fans never going to hear. And it's a shame because that's his best stuff. Were you, and were you able to see him in Vegas when he did the, his residency there? No. And I tell people, I don't have a lot of regrets in life. I really don't. I feel like life's turned out pretty good for me. I wouldn't go back and change anything. And there's things, you know, whatever. Oh, I didn't ask this girl out or I should have been better in school. I still wouldn't change it. Cause I really right. like the way my life is. My biggest regret in life, and people are going to have big regrets, I'm not saying they love you to their dad, but my biggest regret in life is not seeing Garth Brooks in Las Vegas because I almost did. I was going to buy tickets out there. My friend Steve lives in Las Vegas. I was going to stay with him. And it was like 250 or $400 to go see Garth, which I saw the concert on TV. They did televise the Vegas show, which was a storyteller's kind of thing, probably like Bruce. It's just storytellers talking about how his influences and the music he listened to. And I watch that show, and even to this day, I'm not going to lie, when I watch that show, I almost cry. Like, I, I get choked up because I really wish I'd gone and seen it. And I think 
to the end of my days, I'm going to wish I had gone and seen it because it was such a special thing that I feel like I missed out on. Yeah. So listeners jump ahead because you guys have heard this story too much, but Wayne and I are having a good discussion. So Bruce was in Broadway and I knew I wasn't going to go. It just one getting tickets are so hard. It was a 25, just it, not even t- maybe even 2,500. It was a small theater. And people were complaining and stuff. And I posted on a Springsteen Facebook page, like, look, I'm not going to go. I'm not bitter about it. And I don't understand being mad at anyone who gets to go. And if someone's lucky enough to go more than once, okay, great. Let them go. And so somebody reached out and said, why aren't you going? And I said, I can't get a ticket. And he goes, I can get you a ticket. Do you want to go? Like how much? And it was a lot. Yep. It was more than what you just said. <laughs> and, and I said, wow. So I went to my wife and you shared with me that you're married. And so I don't know if you have this kind of relationship, but we've been married since 1984. There are questions you ask that you aren't allowed to say no to. My sister's coming over to spend the weekend. Are you okay with that? Absolutely. You can't say no. Not that I want to. Hey, I'm going to go on a girl's trip. Do you care? No, I don't care. So I said, Linda, you can say no to this question. Okay, what's going on? I have the chance to get a Springsteen ticket. It's coming up these days. We really do not have the money for me to spend. But... What do you think? And she said, you're going to regret it if you don't. She goes, this is a once in a lifetime experience. I say go. If you can figure it out, we're not going to miss a mortgage payment. So I did. I went and, and it was amazing. I was just blown away. And, and I agree. Like my son watched it on Netflix. And was like, I can't, he says, I can't imagine how powerful it was in person. He says, just watching it on the TV, I'm moved. Yeah. I don't say that to rub salt in your wound to tell you, I get you why you go, dang it. That's, I wish I had pulled the trigger. I did, and I think that's fantastic of your wife that she convinced you. I'm not going to my wife tried to convince me to go. Yeah. She, cause I told her, I said, listen, it's, it was a lot of money. We couldn't really afford it. We could, but it would have been tight, and I yes. didn't want to make things tight for just a fun thing. A fun thing for me, not even for the family, just for me. Yeah, exactly, you know? yeah. And, and dads, we try not to be selfish. Yeah. Yeah, and so I, I just said, I can't, I just can't do it. I can't justify it. It's a bad decision for right now. I don't really want to do it. And as you get older, and I know this is probably going to make me sound like an old man, but I feel like as you get older, you start to realize that there are things in life that are just more important than money. You know what I mean? And the opportunity, I think now I realize it at 43 and now the opportunity is gone, but the opportunity to see that show would have been worth money being tight for a few months because it's something that, I will remember forever, and I'm not going to remember that bill that was a week late forever. So, I have a I have a friend 
who their spouse had cancer twice. Survived both, but it was scary. And they come to me and their significant other and they said, I, when you almost lose your best friend twice, you buy the tickets. Yep. You do that. And yeah, I, I totally get why the decision you made and I didn't mean to bring up a oh, sad no, subject, but uh, yeah. If anybody can take something from it, you know, like I said, do those yeah. things because exactly, the, right. those are the things you're going to remember forever. You're yeah. not going to remember the struggles forever. You might remember them for a year, but that thing is going to last forever. Absolutely. When is the last time you saw him perform? I want to say last summer. It was in Foxborough, Massachusetts at the Gillette Stadium where the Patriots play. And it was fantastic. We went with my friend John. It was just going to be me and John because my wife doesn't really like Garth Brooks or any country music. Mm-hmm. So me and John, I said, hey, John, let's go see Garth Brooks. He said, I'm in. Let's go. He had never seen him before. And I said, yeah, I'm definitely going. Because I told my wife, I said, after that experience, I've told my wife, I said, anytime he's around, I'm going. I don't care how much it is. Or I'm going every single time he's around. And let's go, John. So I bought tickets. And then John messages me like later. And he goes, hey, my wife wants to go because she's never seen him. Is that okay? Can you buy an extra ticket? I'm like, then I have to invite my wife. So my wife can play distraction for his wife yes. <laughs> while we're watching the show. Yeah. And so we had to get two more tickets. And we all went together. And getting in and out of Gillette is a nightmare. I'm sure any stadium is, but it's just a, you sit in the parking lot for probably three to four hours just trying to get out after the show. But it was so worth it. And like I said, so loud. And I love, like we talked about, like you said, the born to run thing. Oh, if I hear him say that one more time. Yeah. Well, for me, hearing friends in low places live is an experience. Yeah. And when he hits those first four chords, it's like ding, ding. Yeah. And 70,000 people stand up and yell at the same time. And I'm one of them. Yeah. It's just amazing. And I can't even imagine what he feels like on stage just to get that reaction. But I feel amazing just being part of it. So you mentioned cover of Vincent. What other covers have you gotten in the five shows of the encores? Uh, I've gotten, he's done American Pie. He's, I know he, that's one of his favorites. He's done. I would be thrilled to get that. I bet that's got to be cool. It's wicked cool. And like you'd mentioned, the show in Central Park, which I watched live on HBO or whatever, they yeah. televised it. And when he did that song with Don McLean on stage, he did the first two verses. Don McLean did the last two verses. I remember thinking afterwards, like, he just blew Don McLean off the stage with his own song. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I saw that. I got to see he does Fishing in the Dark, which I think is that the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Yes. I'm not sure. So he does Fishing in the Dark. I've heard that one. I've heard him do Amarillo by Morning, which is a George Strait song. I've heard him do Piano Man. Piano Man's awesome. Everyone sings along. Oh, of course, that would be. With that. 
And then sometimes he'll take requests, like people hold up signs and he'll look around. Oh, okay, I'll sing that one. So I've heard a few songs. He did the one, I don't know who sings it, but it's, I was drunk the day my mom got out of prison. Yeah, did Jerry Jeff Walker. Okay, yeah, so he does that one. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so he's done a bunch of stuff, and, and I've heard a lot of different covers. Like I said, every show he'll do four or five or six, and they're all different. But I've heard American Pie play three times that I've seen him. But the Vincent, yeah. just the one time, and I found a recording on YouTube of him doing Vincent, and it's awesome. I actually tried to turn it into an MP3 so I could put it in my car and listen to it. Yeah, exactly. That's very cool. Now that I'm going to have to go a rabbit hole to go see some of those covers. So you mentioned watching the documentary. We watched it just about a month ago and I really enjoyed it. I thought he was very, and the local sports station, you were talking about things, make fun of him because they say it's just his sincerity is so fake. And I'm like, you, how do you prove you're sincere? He, he seems to be a good guy. He seems to, and I love the fact that he, his ex-wife was on there and he talked about their struggles and they talked about the, how he took care of the kids. He seems to be just a stand-up dude. So tell me what your thoughts were as a longtime fan seeing that documentary. I loved every second of it, and I felt like he came across. And I would challenge anybody who thinks that he's fake because I've never heard a single story of anybody saying anything negative about him. And he's just so – I understand that idea that like Tim Tebow, he's just so nice. There's no way he can be that yeah. nice in real life. Yeah. But some people are. And he – one of the things that really stood out to me, I watched a, a – it was a talk show – and it was around his birthday, and they said, oh, Garth, it's your birthday, or it's right around your birthday. One of our guests actually brought you a gift. And he's like, what? And so this lady came up, and she had this little packet. It was a Taco Bell box that she gave him. She goes, hey, I got you some Taco Bell box. I read an article that you like Taco Bell. And he goes, oh, well, thank you. And she starts to go back up in the stage, and he goes, hey, can you wait around after the show so that me and you, we'll go use these together. We'll find a place nearby. We'll go use them. Oh, that's funny. That's I thought that was great. I watched one thing where he did a, there was like a gender reveal that they did at one of his concerts for a couple. And then they showed up to see him at a talk show and they're like, Oh, this is our daughter. He's like, this is her. And he remembered her name. He's like, it's Kaylee or whatever. And he like, he was like, Oh my goodness. And, and it just, cool. he just super sincere guy. I know the one negative thing I've heard about him was the concert in Ireland that he canceled. He had a bunch of shows of, uh, right. in Ireland that they sold out immediately. And they ran into an issue where I guess he had sold out like eight shows or something, but there was, too many people total that were going to be there. So they told me he had to cancel two or three shows or something like that. They cover and, that in the documentary. I thought really well. Yeah. And he was just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do any shows then. And that's, and, yeah. he, and he said, I feel bad about doing that, but it's not fair to those people who got tickets that I can't do the show. And uh, I thought that was actually a stand up move, but that's one of the negative things that people hold over him. But I thought the documentary was great. The one thing I feel like I would have liked to have seen them spend more time on and we talk about not just the album cuts, but how about The Life of Chris Gaines, which was an album that came out 1999, I think. And people crapped all over him for right. doing this album because it was like a pop alternative album. He wore like a dark wig and he black makeup. He looked like Adam Lambert and he was out there singing these like pop type songs. And people were saying, oh, Garth Brooks just trying to do a pop thing. And country fans hated it. And rock fans were never going to listen to it because it was Garth Brooks, you know, and. 
And by the way, I love, it's still one of my favorite albums of his. It's absolutely really? fantastic. But people didn't give it a chance. And when they found out the backstory of it, and I think they may have touched on it in the documentary, but not much was he was going to do a movie called the lamb where he was going to play the lead character. And Chris Gaines was the lead character. And so this was a soundtrack for the album and they released the soundtrack in advance of the movie to stir up some publicity for the movie. And then when it went south because people just didn't buy it, they scrapped the movie. And then forever people just thought he was having a midlife crisis or something. <laughs> and uh, so I love that. I kind of got off topic, but I, I love the documentary and I loved seeing him with his wife, Patricia. And I, again, even with that relationship, when he talked about, he thought about changing his name to Yearwood. He's like, I'm, I'll be happy to Mr. Yearwood for the rest of my life. I'm telling you, like, yeah. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. And he really loves her. It feels like when, it does seem that. Yeah. It, I don't know. I, I think it's incredibly genuine. I, I'm actually yeah, a little upset that you said that the people that make fun of him and say that he's fake because, like I said, I zero indications in all the years following him. Not one negative story that's come up about him. Yeah. And I also think I've seen videos of him performing about, like everyone else. I've watched the specials and it does seem like he, he gives it all on stage and he seems to really, and that's why I said it would be really interesting if I can get a chance to see him and you could see Bruce, we could come back on and we could swap like, Oh, here's what I saw and everything. Cause that would be interesting. <laughs> so since he doesn't do many deep cuts, is there a song that there is a chance he might perform that you haven't got to hear yet that you're chasing. To give you a little background, there are songs that I know Bruce Springsteen is never going to perform live. But there are songs that he has performed rare that I would love the lottery hit I could get. So how about you? Is there songs you're chasing? Yeah, the one that I'm chasing, so there's one my... My sister Chase, we went to Cleveland. She wanted to hold up a sign and have them yeah. play it, which is one that you've never heard him play, but it, it's, I just brain farted on it. But anyways, he's probably not going to play. It's from his album seven. And so she wanted to hear that. But for me, the song that's probably the closest to hearing because I have seen it on his set list in certain shows. I've just five times missed out and haven't heard it. And he did a music video for it, but it wasn't really a single was the red stroke. Um, which is a really great song. The video is incredible. And he told a story once about making the video where he actually almost died making the video because in the video, there's this red pool of paint on the floor and he comes up out of the paint in a white piano, white tuxedo, white cowboy hat playing the red stroke, which he doesn't actually play the piano. So it's all for show, but obviously to film that they had to lower him into it and then play it back in reverse and make it look like he was coming out. So he said when they were lowering him into it, the temperature of the, the paint was so cold or something. He started to like almost hyperventilate. And as he was going under, it was like, if I had stayed under longer, I would have drowned on paint. Like it was a whole thing, but it's a really cool video. And he's, I've missed that. And so when we went and saw him in, I think Portland, Maine, we saw that was where I saw him do Vincent. And I was like, Oh wow, this is a great show. And it was, it really was from top to bottom, an awesome show. And then uh, my friends who went with me, his brother went to the next night and his brother was like, oh, he just played the red stroke. I was like, come on. <laughs> he just missed it. <laughs> so my story of that is for Springsteen's High Hopes album, there is a song called This Is Your Sword. And it's a very much kind of a, 
this is your sword, this is your shield, this is the power of love revealed. And it's almost a hymn, and it's one of my favorite songs. And I was going to a show in Houston, and and I found out afterwards that it was on the set list to open the show. And I would have lost my stuff. And right before they were going on stage, uh, Tom Morella from Rage Against the Machine, who was touring with Bruce at the time, little Steven was off filming Lilyhammer. And Tom goes, hey, we're in Houston. And Bruce said, oh, yeah. So he scratches out, this is your sword. And he does Seeds because Seeds has a line, Houston Town. So what frustrated me is the last time I was in Houston, he opened with seeds. <laughs> so I'd already heard seeds and I was this close to getting one of my wish lists. And thank you, Tom Morella, <laughs> for popping my dream. So yes, I, in fact, that is where my podcast name came from. Set lusting is when you miss the song that you want. And you missed it just by a couple of shows is can be very frustrating. Wayne, what else should I have asked you? What else do you want to share? Do you have other stories to share? No, I don't think I really have too many stories. You mentioned your wife isn't a fan. How about your daughter? So she likes a little bit and it's tough to get her into it because she's a teenager, right? And so she likes a lot of the stuff my wife likes, which is the pop whatever or broadway tunes yes and um we were in the car and i had garth brooks live the triple live album in the car and i can't remember sometimes most of the time she takes over the radio even though i'm driving and when i was growing up you'd never touch the radio but (laughs) i'm right there with you i I had that same problem with my teenage son he's now 34 but yes that was at the time as a teenager, he owned the radio. Yes. And so I had the album in there and the first song on there was the thunder rolls live, which I had told her the story about when I heard it live in Cleveland, I thought he was introducing another song when he started to give the intro to the song. This is a song that got off to a rocky start and, but turned into the, a pretty good hit. And I thought it was going to be, we shall be free. Cause I know that one's controversial because he talks about, homosexuality in that song and this came out in the night you know, early 90s when it was yeah. more taboo yeah. than it is now and he's a very big ally of the lgbtq community but anyway so i thought that's the song because he's talking about how it was controversial and then all the lights went out in the state and it starts flashing you hear the thunder and i screamed like a little girl i went that's the thunder rolls <laughs> and so <laughs> i told my wife i'm no, sorry i told my daughter that story and so then I played the Thunder Rolls live for her in the car, which the live version has a third verse, which is not on the studio album about him or his wife killing him at the end for cheating. She listened to it. She's like, wow, it's a really intense song. She's like, that's a cool song. 
So she likes the Thunder Rolls. I would love to try to get her into more. I'm like, all right, how do I have another song that's going to be a little bit of a transition so I can get her into the stuff like The River and just other songs that I really love. But yeah, so that's the one song right now. Oh, no, actually, he did a, a whole album of covers. It was like country covers, rock covers. It was like four CDs, but each one was a different uh, genre. And he covered 10 or 12 songs on each CD. And one of the songs on there was uh, Jambalaya, which I think was the Hank Williams song. And he covered Jambalaya. So she, the first song she ever really liked was Jambalaya. But I told her that's not really his song. He's just covering it. So the first actual Garth song she liked is Thunder Rolls. Okay. Good. My question for you, because this is one of those things where, again, I have a podcast where I interview people and I don't get starstruck at all. So So, I'll interview. Yeah. And please, before we go, I want you to talk about your podcast and share a little bit. But go ahead. Ask your question. So I always say if I met Tom Cruise, like I would be like, that's cool. I met him and I'd have questions about how movies are made. And but I wouldn't be excited about it. You know what I mean? I've always feel like people are just people. We meet people. Fame does nothing for me. I don't get giddy about fame. And I've met NBA basketball players and I've talked with the NFL football players. And again, to me, it's business just talking with them. And I want to know more, but I don't get excited about it. But I've always said if I had a chance to meet Garth Brooks after I was done crying and hugging him, I would just want to spend the entire day with him and ask him to play all kinds of songs and I would probably weep every time he played one. <laughs> and so I wanted to ask you about the opportunity. If you had a chance to meet Bruce Springsteen, like in your mind, what is that? Like? I, I have a couple of stories. A few years ago, he did his autobiography. And if you are a reader at all, I recommend it. It's a very good book. And I say that not just as a Bruce fan. Other critics have said he really gets into his depression and how he struggled with that his whole life, but did signings. And what he would do is he would go to the bookstore. The books were pre-signed, but you would stand in line and you would take your picture with him. And then you would go and they would hand you a copy of the signed book. So you got maybe seven seconds with him. He was coming to Austin And I drove down to Austin, waited my hour, and I got my picture with him. There's actually two pictures. There's one of us both looking ahead and then one of me looking at him. And I debated on what will I say to him. And a lot of people said, are you going to tell him about the podcast? And I said, no, I just don't think that's right. I don't feel right to go – that, hey, Bruce, I do a podcast about you, though I now regret that I didn't. But it just didn't feel right, Wayne. So what I did is – and I don't know – have you seen The Godfather? I have. Yeah. Okay. So there is the scene where Luca Broxy is outside the Don's office practicing what he's going to say. And by the way, that is the actor who played him was not a actor and that actually they filmed him trying to do this. But anyway, that was me all the way to Austin over and over again, Bruce. I was unemployed for nine months last year. I listened to Land of Hope and Dreams and Better to Ever, Better Days every day. And I just want to thank you. That's how it got me through it. 
last year over and over again. And so that's when I got to see him. He shook my hand. Hey, and thank you. And then moved on. And I have said, I don't know if he heard what I said, but I needed to say it more than I wanted to hear it. People have asked me, would I want Bruce on the podcast, which is, of course, yes. But I would tend to, if I had the chance, I would ask him similar to what I'm asking you. What kind of music did you listen to? You talked about your mother. Talk about your influences. And I don't know if we'd spend much time talking about his music, but just his music fandom to try to make it different than a normal interview that he has. So how about you, besides crying and wanting to hear, <laughs> what would you want to ask Garth? He's been such uh, an open book you know, publicly in terms of what his influences were in music. And I don't know what I'd want to ask. There's a lot of things I would want to ask about fights, battles that he's had in the sense that, because I mentioned he's a very stand-up guy. People talk about that. He's one of the people who fought for songwriters to get more money in the royalties. That was something that was very important to him because he does have songwriters and he doesn't always contribute or write his own songs. And so I think that there are things like one of the reasons he didn't initially go to iTunes or something had something to do with how the songwriters got paid and he wanted to make sure they got paid a hundred percent of what they were supposed to and things like that. So I would ask him about some of those battles, the iron, the Ireland battle, the battle with the songwriters, things like that. Ask him like, Maybe like what he wants his legacy to be. Okay. Interesting. Because I think a lot of people, he doesn't strike me as somebody who considers himself a celebrity, but isn't naive enough to not know how he's viewed. And so just say, it's probably not super important to you, but what would you want your legacy to be in music? Because if I ask him just legacy, he'll say, I want my kids to think I was a great dad and whatever. I said, in music, what do you want your legacy to be? Okay. Curious to find out the answer to that. All right, so talk to me about your podcast, Wayne. I have a podcast. It's a movie podcast. That's why it's funny you asked me about The Godfather. But it's called Recasted 2.0. And what we do is we take movies that are at least 20 years old and we recast them with modern day actors and actresses. And then we put the cast out for a vote. Which cast do you like better? So it's a kind of cool idea. I'm sure we've all done this at some point in a bar with our friends, whatnot. Oh, what a, if it wasn't Al Pacino as The Godfather, if they made it today, who do you think should play Michael Corleone? And it's a fun game, and so we just play the game, and we record it, and we put it out there for people to listen to. Oh, nice. What is uh, some of the latest episodes you've been covering? What, or Tell me an interesting that recasting that you really thought a lot of. Yeah, so the, my favorite recasting that I've done, which I felt like I hit a home run on almost every character, was in Reservoir Dogs. We recast that. Okay. And I'm not going to lie, I don't like Reservoir Dogs, and I had to watch it again for the recast <laughs> but uh, it's not my favorite movie but i said okay i'm gonna crush this all the way and so people who are familiar with reservoir dogs are gonna get others won't but like the role for the role that chris penn played in the role i cast jonah hill which i think would be a great role there for mr blonde which was michael madsen i cast joaquin phoenix i think he would be great in that role for mr white which is Harvey Keitel. I, I went with Gary Oldman. Okay. Uh, and it, it just every single role, I felt like I absolutely crushed every role. Of course, I was also like, I also went with five like Academy Award winners, so my budget's going to be $400 million for this movie, but uh, that was a fun one. And the most recent one I did is called Eight Men Out. It's a 
baseball fans know the movie. It's about the Chicago White Sox and the guys who got suspended. But me and my friend Brandon do that. He's a Chicago guy. He lives in Chicago. I met him when he lived here briefly, but he's back in Chicago now. He's a Bears fan, Cubs fan. But he picked the movie. I let the guests pick the movie. And then we recast it, and I made fun of every one of his picks. So if you listen to that one, it's a funny one. <laughs> so with the Springsteen connection, you guys recasted Philadelphia. We did, did you, actually. Who did you get as the two leads? For me, for the role of Andy, which was Tom Hanks, I went with Dev Patel. I think that he's a brilliant actor, and I think that he plays educated in every role he's in, and I felt like he'd play a good lawyer. And then for the role of Joe, which was Denzel Washington, I went with Anthony Mackie. My idea being that Anthony Mackie is always very serious. You don't see him... Right. Upbeat and Denzel's very serious. So my co-host at the time, Jesse, he had gone with Neil Patrick Harris as Andy, which I got into an argument with him on the episode about it. Cause I was like, so the only reason you picked him, his two criteria were that he is gay and he looks good in a tuxedo. I was like, yeah. really? That's what you went with as your criteria. And so anyways, then I, for uh, Denzel, he went with Michael B. Jordan, which I felt was like an easy layup. But <clears throat> that's where we went with that. And it's funny that you mentioned Philadelphia because when I first started singing, I would mimic Bruce from time to time in certain songs. And when you sent me Thunder Road and you'd ask me about that, I sing that in the shower all the time. But my first like foray into Bruce and singing Bruce songs was singing Philadelphia, Streets of Philadelphia. And not to knock Bruce, but... I think his reputation, and that's why when people do mimics of him, is that he mumbles a lot to the song. Yes. (laughs) And so Philadelphia is one of those ones where I started off, that's where I learned how to do it. And then now I just try to play with, all right, where is he going to be? Like, here's the word, then where is he going to drift off? And it's kind of like Bob Dylan in a way. Yeah, so my wife had the same complaint. She said that I can't understand what he says. And so what I recommended is... You know how, like, when we were kids, we listened to Peter and the Wolf, the, the, the musical, and each character was a different musical instrument. I said, don't try to understand Bruce's words. Just think of his voice as another instrument and listen to the emotion. And, and she, that helped her a lot to do that. So, Yes, there is. There are times when it is good to have closed captioning when you're watching Bruce perform <laughs> on TV. So I get that. That is nice. What do you got coming up on the podcast? I think the next episodes, I haven't quite gotten to editing them yet, but we're going to be recasting Snatch from 2001. We're going to be recasting Aliens. So that'll be a fun one. And I'm also talking to some people about doing A Few Good Men doing that one which we did way back when but it, it was on a different show before we started this one so okay. we'll just redo it again but that's what's coming up and then i did actually have one more question for you actually i thought sure. of when you were talking about bruce yeah i've actually had this and this might be controversial to a bruce fan but i've actually had the feeling growing up listening to these guys in the 80s and listening to their sound and their voice and their music and what they sing about I find two people really close to each other, almost like Kobe and Jordan, right? Is Bruce and John Mellencamp. Yeah. 
in that John has that same kind of sound. He sings about the working man. It's very similar. And I'm curious to get your thoughts as, as a Bruce fan. Maybe you have a little more insight to it, but why has Bruce had a much more significant rise than Mellencamp did being so similar as each other? So first thing, I don't know if you know this, but Bruce performed on John's last album. They did three songs together. Okay. And so you can Google that together. And as someone said, what do you bet Bob Seeger went, what? Why didn't you call me, guys? What? <laughs> yeah. So I like to think, and this made people mad, but I think if Bruce had not had Born in the USA, that album, that that song and that seven top ten hits from that album, I think his career is Neil Young. Okay. I think he is someone that people respect. They know a few of his songs, that he has a devoted fan base, but he is not a worldwide star. So I think that Mellencamp certainly had a string of hits and, but I think that Born in the USA was so massive. And he has a reputation of such a live performer. For example, Mellencamp was just here in Dallas. I did not get a chance to see him. I wanted to. And he was playing a small three, four thousand dollars, three, four thousand seat amphitheater. You know, Bruce is playing the American Airlines Center where there is 38, 40,000. It's just that different level. And I don't know. I'm sure that. You know, Southside Johnny goes, it, if I had turned right instead of left, would I have had that career? I think Bruce is very grateful about it. I think, but I do think he just was able to catch lightning in a bottle. And he is a very gifted songwriter, great performer. And, and just somehow I think the live shows help builds that too. Because I think I could probably be asked the same question. Why did Garth Brooks? sell 125 million albums in the u.s yeah but billy ray cyrus is considered a one-hit wonder yeah and i'm a, like i said now i'm a huge country fan billy ray cyrus is amazing right. and, and like his songs the some gave all album it probably has five or six really good songs on there his problem i think was twofold one he probably wasn't as good in concert as garth is one right. thing but two is like that achy breaky heart became such so popular I think that it was impossible for him to build. Like that's what he became known as. It would almost be like Garth Brooks doing the Chris Gaines album first. Like yeah. you're not going to recover from that. And so as much as Billy Ray Cyrus, I think in terms of song quality, I would put some of his best hits up against Garth's best hits and they would do really well. Yeah. I just think that he didn't have that career trajectory. Yeah. And I think also that for some reason, Garth crossed over to the pop and rock charts, but didn't lose. Like he didn't. Yes. I'm sure the grumpy old men who Johnny Cash or Mo Haggard, which I both love are like, Oh, this isn't country, but Tyler Mahan co David Allen Cole's son, by the way, talks about that. 
every 10 years, every 20 years, he says country music is influenced by pop and soul. And so every decade or so, the fans go, that's not real country. But country has always been influenced by other music. And if you look at the different years, it changes all the time. And so it's different. Yeah, I think that is a good question. And and I think it does come to partly lucky and partly just the live show. All right, before I let you go, Wayne, I end every podcast with the thunder, with the Mary question. Jay Armstrong, who is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area, he just recently retired. He would take his class. They had high school seniors. They would break apart the song Thunder Road, and then they would look at the lyrics. They would talk about the themes. They would talk about what Bruce is discussing, and then would ask the question at the end of the two days, does Mary get in the car? So, Wayne, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I'm going to say she does not get in the car. And that's because I I want Mary to have some self-respect. And when I listen to that song, to me, it's a guy singing about how he's horny and he just wants this girl like, hey, come on, man, let's go. We're both kind of single. Let's just do this thing. I know you're feeling it, too. And it seems all it reminds me of is kind of being in high school when you're trying to score with that for the first time when you're like throwing everything you can at them. You know, <laughs> you know, no. oh, yeah. Or meatloaf for the same thing. Paradise by the dashboard lights. I'll love you forever. <laughs> so yeah. it's like you throw everything you can to try to get that first. Time. Bruce in this song, I don't think the character is his first time, but he is just trying to get laid and he's throwing everything he's got, everything in his arsenal he's throwing at her. And I want to say at the end of the song, I'm hoping Mary says, you know what? I know what you're trying to do. If you really feel this way, come and see me tomorrow. (laughs) But I'm not getting in the car tonight. (laughs) I love it. I love that answer. Wayne, if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? Twitter is always the best way. If you go at Recasted Podcast, that's my Twitter handle. Shoot me a message anytime. I'm always happy to talk to people about anything. If it's music, if it's movies, obviously I post a lot of movie stuff, but I love talking about anything that people like to talk about. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for joining me. This was a blast. I'm going to check out the podcast. If you email me, if there's Garth Brook videos you think I should check, and I will do the same thing on Springsteen's for you, okay? All right, sounds like a plan. Thank you. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. As always, we appreciate you. Go out, go check out wayne's podcast go to itunes give him some love with a five-star review be safe be kind and we'll talk to you soon goodbye yeah, I know someday I'll walk out of here again. i want to give a major shout out to the patrons of this podcast. They kick in a few dollars every month to help me with podcast expenses. I want to send a special love and thank you to Mary, Chris, Anna, Terry, Dale, Steve, Stephen, Levi, Betsy, John, Bella, 
Crystal, Rob, Randy, Steve, Fernando, and Yetta. Thank you all so much for all you do to help me. You are my angels. I kind of wanted to get you guys' opinion on. They said when you think about New York City, you don't think about country music. Well, I guess we can find out right here. Because if this was a place that knew country music, it might know that there is another verse to this song. They say, well, okay, maybe they know they're near the verse of this song, but do they know the words to that verse? <laughs> then, of course, they're going to say anybody can say they know the words to it. But I figure if I'm quiet and you guys sing it, then they'll know you know the words to it. So you guys ready to send this thing around the world? Just you guys? Good deal. Now, for those people who might not know the words, I'll be singing along softly in the back. For you people who do know the words, give me everything you got, huh? Alright. Here we go. Here we go. Well, I guess I was wrong. I just don't know. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. 
You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.